0: Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to another Frame of Mind Photography Podcast, where we have discussions where we try to change, solidify, alter uh, anything about your frame of mind on different photography topics. Really excited this week because I have Steve Perry with me from... Uh, is it Backcountry Gallery is the website, Steve? It is, yes. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. So it's uh, this, is, this is cool because Steve is... Steve is somebody that that I even back when I was you know, starting to, to get more into wildlife photography, Steve is somebody you're, you're somebody that I, I learned from. Like I would go I would go learn from you. And in fact, I always tell people try to find a small group of people that you really trust and, right. and learn from them, because if you're if you're going out there and watching videos from twenty five different people, you're learning twenty five different ways to do things. And as a beginner, that's, that's not always the best yeah, way. to do. It, it becomes overwhelming. Yeah. So, so you, you are that small group for me. So you're, you're, you're somebody that in the beginning I learned from, and then today I still, I, I still, I still look to you for, for, for information because just the stuff you put out is so good. So thanks for being on here, man. Well,
1: thank you so much. Thank you for the kind words. That's very nice of you.
0: Uh It is. This is like this is like having like kind of like having one of my wildlife photography heroes on. So I appreciate it. It's
1: funny, you know, the feelings mutual because when it came when it comes to post-processing, I don't know how many of your videos I've turned to and looked for just because you know, something new with Photoshop or Lightroom comes out and you know, I'm looking on YouTube, it's like, oh, there's Matt, he'll know what's going on. (laughs) So yeah, feelings mutual. You're in my small group for sure.
0: And that's funny because when when I first emailed you, um, I I, I didn't even know you knew me. Like I introduced myself and you you, know, you wrote back, you're like, yeah, I watch your videos all the time. So oh, yeah. I think it's a fun, small, small community. I think people are surprised at how the people that maybe they absorb content from actually watch some of the other people that they absorb content yeah, from.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, we all watch each other and we all learn from each other. It's a, yeah. it's, a it's a good process. So, so what prompted me to have you on for this one, Steve, was um, a topic that, that I, that, that I try to talk to people about. And then, um, about a week ago, you sent out an email about, about, you know, when the action is good, keep on shooting. Right. And, 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 and my, my, my topic that I talk to people about is, is very, very similar. Like I, I think, I think people see a photo and they think that photographer looked and said, okay, the wind's coming from the Northeast. That bird is going <laughs> to, jump from its tree it's going to fly and catch a fish there and then there's a high probability another bird's going to come off from the west so i'm going to point my camera this way and when they collide i'm going to snap one picture right click and and i think i think when people see that one picture they think that photographer just knew exactly what was going to happen and captured it and i and i always try to tell people you you probably don't know the chaos that that photographer went through before that um and and what that leads to so so for me personally i i have a i have a little bird photography course that i run an ad for on facebook right and it showed and i showed the video to steve so steve has shown it and i'm you know this is you can go to my website matt k if you click on podcast you can find the podcast on spray and pray it <clears throat> it usually is just a, a an audio podcast if you wanted to go to that page you could see the video that we're talking about but it's basically I'm on a beach and nothing's happening. And then I see these, these two birds have this little squabble and I think it's done. And then it continues and it continues and it continues. And in this ad, all all of the comments. So I I show that in the beginning of the ad and in this ad, all the, I get all these comments from people saying, Oh, this isn't photography. This is just spray and pray. And I'm like, but it, it's not spray and pray. This is yeah. like, what would you have done different? Because uh, to me, spray and pray is you're spraying around haphazardly and you have mm-hmm. no idea. And then the praying part comes in because you're not even sure if you're hitting anything or you're getting right. anything. Right. And I'm not spraying around haphazardly. My focus points grab on and I'm there. And then my, I know my shutter speed. I know that I see green. I know these photos are sharp.
1: Yeah, like exactly. Look at them. exactly. Yeah, I looked at that video this morning and you shot it exactly the way I would have no difference at all. I would have done the exact same thing. And I'll even go a step further and I'll say that I think that it would have been foolish if you would have stopped shooting at any time during that sequence, because there is absolutely no way that you can know for sure what you're going to have as far as bird position, as far as wing position, as far as all of this stuff there, when you see good stuff happening in the viewfinder, like you said, this is the whole point of that newsletter was if you see something great happening in your viewfinder, keep that shutter release down. And like you say, so many times it gets mistaken for spray and pray. And I would agree with your definition on spray and pray. You know, if yeah. you're just haphazardly, you see something and I've seen people spray and pray, you know, they just point and they, they're not looking at the background. They're not looking at the bird. They're just, they see something happening. They point their camera in that direction and they, just lay on the shutter and hope that they get something that is a lot different than what you were doing in that video. And what I do routinely when I'm in the field, that's completely different. You were, everything in that video was controlled. Those birds were perfectly framed for what they were doing. And when the action was happening, you were shooting because there's no any human that says that they can time those shots just one at a time would probably lie to you about other things too. It's not possible. It's just not possible. But uh, yeah, there's a big distinction there. And I think there's, it's a shame because I think people don't leverage their technology because they are caught up in this maybe I almost want to call it a film mentality. Exactly. Where we had 36 exposures at a time and you really did try to avoid like super long bursts because you run out of film and then you were done. So you had to be a little more conservative. And it's like nowadays we have 20, 30 frames a second and you know, we can take advantage of that and we can leverage that to get wing positions and body positions and expressions that were next to impossible to get before.
0: Yeah. It's it, it, it I think you you nailed it too, you know, stuck kind of stuck back in the film days. And and I get it. You know, it was number one, the film was more because film was expensive. So every every click of that shutter.
1: Yeah. Every time I click like, that shutter, it sounded like change falling out of my pocket.
0: Yeah. And then and then a lot of time too. It was just a lot yeah. more time involved in in those photos. And I think one of the things that one of the things that that people don't realize is wild wildlife photography wildlife photography 40 years ago, it we you know it was a bird in the sky, or it was a portrait of a bird sitting on a branch. Right, because the technology just didn't allow you. The autofocus right. systems weren't as good. The technology just didn't allow you to capture well, the, the, yeah, the shot. Exactly.
1: At one, at one point, a bird in the sky that was even relatively in focus, you know, just a bird against a blue sky, something we'd throw away today. Yeah. Is what was like the pinnacle of yeah. <laughs> photographic, you know, prowess, you know, prowess behind that lens, being able to focus that lens and get that bird sharp. Even if it's just against the sky, they like say our standards have uh, have really, really changed. Things have gotten so much better.
0: I think a lot of what's happened is uh, is is that not only not only has the technology gotten better, not only has the autofocus gotten better to where right. we can follow all these things and and really do things that we couldn't do because sometimes and and I, I want to get into because you know we we talked about the spray and pray and I think a lot of people listening are going to agree with us. I think it'd be interesting to start talking a little bit about some of the autofocus systems and. And and you know how to best use them for for those situations. But to to dovetail into that, we you know, again, 30, 40 years ago, you didn't have necessarily that 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 tracking that we have today. Oh no. So no. you basically you had to be a skeet shooter, you know? Yeah. You you had your you had your focus point mm-hmm. and you had to follow something and you had to be good enough at following it. And and part of that meant that you were also zoomed out or far enough away that you could follow it reliably, right? And that could all it, the bird off
1: because sometimes it was only the yeah. center point that you had. You only had one point, yeah.
0: yeah. And and we all know the closer it gets, the faster it's moving. Again, go to the the skeet right. shooting analogy. You know, if that if that clay, if if that that's right in front of you, nobody nobody's going to hit it. You know, right? But it's further. So now you might get that shot. But it's going to be so far away, it's not going to be any good. And now today, we've got a couple of things working. We've got a lot of the auto tracking, which will help follow it for us. And then we've also got resolution on our side. So, you know, you probably, Mm -hmm. you know, you've seen, uh, I I use Mark Smith as a great example. Mm -hmm. Um, You ever see, you ever, you've seen Mark Smith stuff, right? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So, Mark Smith's a good example where he, he posts a lot of really tightly cropped bird photos. Right. And, and you see, you know, you see the the facial, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you call it expressions, but you can see the determination on the face. You can see right, the all the talent. detail
1: there and that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you can see that where, again, 30 years ago, we we didn't see that. We didn't see it because it was hard to capture. And we also didn't see it because we didn't have the resolution no. to be able to crop into it.
1: Not like that, so, no.
0: Yeah. So photos you'd that. You have
1: to use like an 8x10 camera for bird and flight photography to get yeah. that kind of <laughs> result.
0: Yeah, so I think it's interesting. That, you know, one, I, I have I have a friend, this friend's gonna remain nameless. But he, he's pretty funny, because we'll we'll be out shooting with him. And sometimes he'll take my camera. And and I don't always use the I don't always use the zone. Um, You know, my thought processes is, is use the smallest focus point that you can.
1: Right. That's um, always been mine as well.
0: Yeah. And then and then grow as, as the need grows. And as the, as the situation allows for it, like the, the video that we're talking about, there, there was nothing where I was on the beach in Fort DeSoto. You've right. sure, been to Fort DeSoto. So I'm on the beach in Fort DeSoto. There's nothing that I, I know nothing's going to grab my focus. Um, if I'm a little bit wider. Right, right. Yeah. So, but I've got a, a buddy, whenever he grabs my camera, he's like, I can't do anything. All this fan dangled dots <laughs> flying around here and all this stuff, you know? And, and, and I'm like, but you, you have a Sony a one and he's like, yeah, but I just use the center point and I, d- I just don't move. it. And I'm like, so basically you bought a $6,500 camera to use it like a camera from 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> That's <what it> <laughs> I, I don't even think he uses the 30 frames a second. I think he shoots more, you know, more close to the 10 frames a second. So he shoots center point, doesn't ever move it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so why did you buy one of the best autofocus systems in the world? to cripple it and never use it you know it's just if if you can keep and he's good he's really good at keeping everything in this birds in flight i'm not that good like this guy this guy he's probably like you like he'll follow and i'll be amazed sometimes at the how lack of like i I know he didn't crop in right and i'll look and i'll be like you followed that because i know (laughs) i was all over the place trying to follow it
1: (laughs) it takes practice it takes a lot of practice but yeah so uh, yeah yeah It's a shame when people are because and i see that too man i see that all the time with people out there you know i run workshops and that and you know when i'm out there it's like you know so many times we have people that are just they are real either really throttle back I, we've had people only shoot a single frame at a time and then it's like you're just not taking it like you say you're shooting this like it's a 10 or 20 year old camera you know leverage what you have here you know take yeah. advantage of it you know uh I shoot usually at any given time. I'm at 20 frames a second, sometimes 30, depending on which you know system I happen to be using. I shoot Nikon an and Sony, so you know depending on what I'm using, I'm at 20, sometimes 30 frames a second. And there are still times I wish I had those in between shots when I'm looking at yeah. an action sequence, and that's what that higher frame rate gets you. And you know sometimes it's nice to have those, uh, you, know, you, you know that granularity when you're when you're sorting your photos and to pick that one that is absolutely just perfect
0: so so walk walk me through a little bit of you know, when 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 would you keep shooting you know what it will like what what grabs your eye to 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 number one get to that point where you're going to lay down on the shutter and, and hold it down and then what keeps you shooting and then what are your cues to maybe stop shooting uh-huh.
1: <laughs> yeah uh well it depends on the situation mostly it's so to put it very basically it's i see something i like in the viewfinder and depending on what that is if it's a static subject for instance if it's a, a bird turns and he gives me just that perfect look that's a short burst mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna shoot you know maybe for half a second just to get a short burst i'm going to leave autofocus on the entire time i'm gonna make sure it's on the eye and i'm just gonna i'm gonna fire away for you know just a quick burst just to get that shot because In that circumstance, I'm pretty confident that if I get, you know, five, six shots of it, I I have it. You know, the the, the cameras are, you know, especially if it's in decent conditions. Now, if the conditions aren't so decent and it's still a static subject, then I'm going to maybe go for a little bit longer burst. I might even defocus and refocus because sometimes you don't get a perfect AF lock if the situation is tricky. So I'll play some games there, make sure I'm getting the shot that I want. Mm -hmm. And I'm not shooting an excessive number of photos. And in fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I'm never shooting an excessive number of photos because I'm only shooting it when I'm shooting what I need to shoot to get the shot that I'm after, you know, and I'm going to do what it takes to make that happen. If it's one shot or if it's 30 or 40 or 50. Now, when we start moving to action, though, this is where a lot of times people are a little bit quicker to let off the shutter release when they shouldn't. That's when you start getting accused of spraying and praying sometimes. (laughs) But basically I say, I hope you're, um, Your listeners will go to your website and look at that because that is a perfect example about what we're talking about.
0: When and you saw just to just I hate to interrupt you, but in that example, you could even see I stopped at certain times and I wished I didn't. Yeah, I wondered
1: about that. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna give you a hard time about it though.
0: Yeah, because there's 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 a couple of moments where when I scroll through the video of it, there's a couple of moments where I'm like, oh man, that would have been the shot, and I stopped.
1: Right. Right. And that's, and, and I see that a lot. And, and, you know, so basically my role is, especially with action, if there's something I like happening in the viewfinder, if those birds in your case, they, they're fighting and they're going up and down and they're playing around, you know, keep shooting. If it's a flight sequence, if maybe they're not fighting, maybe you just have a bird coming in and it's taking its time and it's really, you know, spreading its wings out as it's coming in for that beautiful landing, keep shooting because you're not, you, there's no way to know which of those shots is gonna be kind of the absolute perfect moment out of that series. And you don't wanna miss it because you let off. And I see this happen a lot with people. They'll be in the same situation. That's a good example that you mentioned there, that there was a couple of times where you kind of let off for a second. And I see people do that. I was feeling
0: my card. I knew it in in the back of my head, by the way.
1: Yeah, (laughs) see, (laughs) see. And, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of, you know, if I see something good, I don't care what anybody around me thinks. I don't, it doesn't bother me. I'm just going to lay on that. I have been in workshops where I've done this. And even like I say, with a flight shot, a bird's coming down, it's taking its time and I'm just laying on it. And you know, some of the other participants will stop and they'll be like, wow, what you must've really liked that. It's like, well, I'm trying to make sure that I get every single one of those things. You don't want to let off because you don't know which one of those is going to be perfect. And for me, I'm just going to lay on that shutter. Now there is a little bit of buffer management sometimes, if you are anticipating that it's going to be a long sequence and you don't want to hit that buffer, sometimes if you kind of feel like you have the an initial part of a sequence, maybe you have a bird swooping and he's just kind of gliding in, and it's he's getting bigger in the frame, but he's not getting any better in the frame. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll just lay off, let the buffer. You know, because with our cameras, the cards are so fast, half a second, a second off that, you're back to full buffer. You know, yeah. with the higher end cameras. And then I'll, and then I'll then I'll resume. So sometimes you know I'm thinking about buffer management as I'm doing this too, but when stuff is really happening, really good, that's what I'm going to shoot. But the flip side of this is you got to know when to stop. And again, it's for that same reason for buffer management as much as anything mm-hmm. else. I can't tell you the number of times I've watched people, and unfortunately, I do it too <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. I'll have a bird coming by, and I'm firing, firing, firing. As soon as that bird or that animal, if I have an animal running, as soon as it's starting to turn its back to me, I'm done. I'm off. I'm out. And I see a lot of people continue to shoot as the bird's flying away. It's like that rear end shot's not going to get any better if you take more photos of it. (laughs) But what you're doing is you're filling your buffer. And if something else suddenly comes up on to the left again, I'm shooting maybe left to right and another bird comes in. Now you're swinging around with a full buffer because you didn't stop soon enough. So to me, it's like, you want to stop. As soon, as soon as it's done, as soon as the action's over, stop and make sure it's over. But then, you know, yeah. bring your finger up, give it a break, and so and I that, think that's my approach. Yeah. <laughs> spring, they could call it spraying and praying, but it's very yeah. controlled. It's you know, I, I'm only shooting when I'm seeing something that I like. Basically, I say it all comes back to that.
0: We're going to take a very quick break from our podcast for a 30 second word from our sponsor, which is always me. I'd like to invite you to check out my Photoshop system course. Make this the year that you finally learn Photoshop. Photoshop can be a great tool, especially to somebody doing all their work in their raw editor because there are certain things you just can't do. Uh, things like removing distractions, combining images, replacing a background, adding text, adding certain elements to a photo or any combination of all those different things we simply can't do inside of Lightroom or a raw editor. But Photoshop specializes at it. even if you don't spend a lot of time in Photoshop, sometimes it can be some of the most important time that you spend on a photo. My Photoshop system cuts through everything and just teaches you the stuff that as a beginner, you need to know to move on in Photoshop. We'll cover layers, masking, selections, retouching tools, distraction, removal tools, blend modes, opacity, and all of the main concepts that you need to build a good Photoshop foundation. So when you finish the course, you'll be prepped to take on any Photoshop tutorial because you will have a really good foundation for all the basics. You can always find out more over at the website at mattk.com slash Photoshop system. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'll once in a while challenge the people that'll send in the comments and I'll say, you know, tell me what you would have done different. And <laughs> most of the time, most of the time, they don't even reply because crickets right. Um, you know, and and then, you know, sometimes I had one gentleman reply and said, well, I would have gone to manual focus mode. Uh, I would have gone to aperture priority. I would have been using a fi- He sent a set of film camera and <laughs> I'm like, well, and and you wouldn't gotten any of these these photos. I mean, no. it just
1: it's no, yeah, you know. it's about leveraging the technology.
0: and i think I think the other thing too is is you know for anybody listening, you you have to got to have a little bit of self-awareness and a little bit of situational awareness um oh, because yeah. forever because I'm exactly with you. If that bird swoops in, if it's an eagle coming in and you know grabbing a fish from the water, and then once that eagle turns its back and starts flying away. I'll, i usually stop shooting. No. Now on the flip side of that, you have to have a little bit of situational awareness. There's, uh, there's been times where I've seen that Eagle hit the water, grab the fish, fly away. And then all of a sudden another Eagle just flies right into it. And, you know, <laughs> tries to steal the fish. So it's, there, there's, the old you know, pants down scenario. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, you got to look at your situation, but I would say I see more of what, what you described i see the the, because let's face it most people aren't shooting eagles grabbing fish from water where another eagle is grabbing like that's you got to be in it it doesn't happen yeah so most people are shooting birds that might be having action or you know jumping around or doing something and like you said you you know once it turns it's back to you and yeah and be aware of what
1: else is around you that's a good point
0: yeah And I hate to keep talking about the video because it's an audio podcast, but I can describe it for you. In the beginning of the video, there was a mini squabble and I swung the camera over and kind of got off a few frames, but then it ended and I kind of swung the camera back. So it took me a second again to get back to it where I when once that little mini squabble happened, I should have stayed on it the entire time and. Yeah, you know? it's,
1: it's tough. I, and honestly, every mistake you're talking about, I've made numerous times. I'm, I'm a slow yeah. learner, you know, it's just it's, <laughs> stuff happens.
0: And then would you say, you know, a benefit to also kind uh, of getting a feel for when to stop is just, there's too many photos to go through. Do you have, do you have a, so when you get back, how do you like, how do you look at those hundreds of photos?
1: My new approach I'm going to give you my old approach and I'll tell you why I'm not doing it anymore. But the way I used to do it when I was shooting at far slower frame rates is I would really go through and I would look at every photo. I would examine it. I'd zoom in. I'd check each one of them, but that doesn't work when you're shooting 20, 30 frames a second, you'll spend your Mm -hmm. rest of your life sorting and calling images and it's not fun. So what I do now is when I get back to the computer and you may even have a better system than I do with this, because this is kind of your wheelhouse here. But for me, What I do is when I get back to the computer, I jump in and I'm starting to look for the winners. I'm looking for the keepers. You know, I don't care if I have a tack sharp photo of something that isn't very interesting. I -hmm. I have no desire to zoom in on it. I have no desire to check whether it's sharp or not. You know, if I'm looking basically in the thumbnails and I'm going through those thumbnails and if there's something there that catches my eye, that's when I'm going to start looking. Or if I have a series that catches my eye, that's when I'm going to start looking. And then what I do is, I think one of the biggest tricks that has helped me a lot is just learning what sharp looks like. And I did a video recently about this, but I'd even go farther with this and say, you need to learn what sharp looks like for your lens. So Mm -hmm. that once you see it, once you see that perfect pose, that perfect spot, you maybe have 10 photos that are pretty much identical. And you're looking at it, you're on one, you're on, two, you're on number three now. And number three, you know that that it's perfect because you know what that lens looks like when it's completely sharp. You know what that mm-hmm. sharp looks like for that lens. You know it's not going to get any better than that. And yeah. I think that's a big secret because some a lot of times people will have maybe 10 or 20 of the same photo, and they'll look through every single one of them and try to determine which one of those 20 – has just that slight, slight bit of sharpness edge over the other ones, and honestly, when it start, when you start to get down to that level of granularity, it starts to not matter that much because mm-hmm. you know when you're post processing it, you're going to make those guys, you know, the, the the one that's close enough and the one that's you know maybe has that one percent edge, you're not going to see a difference in re- you know once yeah. it's all said and done. But you do waste a lot of time looking at it. So I think a big trick is look for the, I think the way to do it is to look for the look for the poses that you like skip the rest don't even worry about them delete them if you need to whatever and then once you find those winners then you go in and you check sharpness and once you find one that looks sharp stop you don't have to look at every single identical pose
0: yeah. you but know they're one, not going to get better
1: sharp and you know what sharp looks like but again it does take a little bit of practice to learn what sharp looks like for your particular lens but once you do it saves you a ton of time because as soon as you hit it you're done you're like, okay, I don't need to look at these other 15 photos. This one's mm-hmm. this one is as good as it's going to get.
0: Got it. Do you do you delete or do you just get the get the pics, you know, process them, do whatever you're going to do and move on or do you actually delete the bad stuff?
1: I should delete the bad stuff, but I have about 60 terabytes worth of storage, so I don't because I'm lazy. <laughs> Although I'm starting to fill it up, I'm going to have to get another 60 terabytes, so that's fine. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, I, I should delete the stuff, and a lot of, and sometimes if I'm on a workshop or if I'm on a a, a, a target-rich location, like if I'm in Africa or something, mm-hmm. and I'm a little bit worried about storage, if I'm like, uh, I, I, I've been to Africa sometimes for a month at a time, and at that point. It's start, it's getting tough to bring enough storage. So then I'm starting to think, okay, well I'm never going to use these photos. Let me delete these out. Let me just keep the winners. So sometimes you know it does come to that, but most of the time I don't, just because for me I need some of this stuff sometimes for educational purposes. Like I was just going to
0: ask about that.
1: Yeah, sometimes like when I'm doing a video, I need a shot where I messed up, and it's too far. Like for example, uh, in a recent in a recent video I did, I had a bird or something in a view in a, a make believe viewfinder, a photo that I used. But in order to make that work, because I want to show it like moving around, it had to be like farther out than I would normally shoot. So I'm looking through all my stuff like, OK, where's one of the times that I should have stopped shooting? It was a little too far away or I shouldn't have bothered with this one. But I did anyway because I was bored. OK, here's one of them. Yeah, I was never going to use that, in a, you know, for a real photo, for a portfolio shot. But it saved the day for uh, for the education yeah. you know, thing that I was trying to do. So that's why I keep them. I don't encourage people to do what I do when it comes to that.
0: I, I, I struggle with that too. And and I'm glad, I'm glad you said it because I think it's worth bringing up. It's sometimes it's one of those, like, don't, you know, do as I say, don't do as I do. Cause yeah. I'm the same as you. Like I want to get rid of more, but Absolutely. there's times where I'm looking through and I know that, you know, my, my career is teaching this stuff. And in order to teach, sometimes you have to show that bad photo, you know, you've right. got to show what went wrong in that bad photo or what's an example of a bad photo. And and there's a lot of times I, I have terabytes of stuff that I want to, to go away.
1: Oh but, yeah. Same here. Same here. I'm hoping I no one
0: gets a hold of this drive and says, Oh my gosh, this guy was, he was full of it. These are all terrible. <laughs> I, you know, and, and I, I think the, the I asked the question primarily to probe what your thought process is. Cause there's, I get a lot of people when, cause I, I do a lot of tutorials where I'm like, listen, I, I I if I went out in the morning to the beach and I was photographing some shorebirds and I took 500 photos I I pop them in I won't even load them up in Lightroom sometimes I'll just load them up in in a photo browser and mm-hmm. and I know what the you know what the magic moments were like you know right, right. you know what you were excited about right so I go straight to those moments I pull out four or five raw files and mm-hmm. you know, drop them into a folder and I just mass delete the rest of the card because mm-hmm. no, there's nothing on it that that was going to be better than this. There's no reason. Right. People people often criticize and say, "Well, why would you delete?" Storage space is so cheap. Um, you know what? You never know what you're going to get. And I always, I kind of go back at it. And I, I was curious what your opinion was. Is is number one? I I actually don't think storage space is cheap anymore. Um, is is archival storage space cheap? Yeah. You know, yeah. if I want if I want a spinning. You know, 5400, 7200 drive and something like this. Is that pretty cheap? It is. But it's slow. It's bulky. You know, I want, I I don't know if you can see them here, but I I recently switched to these eight terabyte um, Samsung drives. They're SSD. I just have them attached in the back of my computer. They're quiet. They're small. And when I go somewhere, you know what the beauty of it is? When I go somewhere, they're, they fit in the palm of my hand. I can throw them into my backpack and take yeah. them with me. And I have my whole photo library with me. They're not cheap. You know? No, 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 <laughs> that, 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 kind
1: of stuff is not. Yeah.
0: It gets, it gets painful. Yeah. I, I use SSDs
1: for backup on the road and it's just, yeah, it gets, it gets pricey. It gets pricey yeah. in a hurry. Like you say, the spinning stuff is that's what I have. That's a 60 terabyte is just all, you know, spinning drives. And like you say, they're, they're loud, they're slow, they're bulky.
0: Yeah. And I call that archival. That's like, yeah, yeah, not,
1: That's, yeah perfect. Yeah, archival, yeah. It much.
0: Yeah. But so, so you're okay. If people delete, like just, you know, Oh yeah. I think they not should. Saying, I, everything.
1: Yeah. If it, if it were, if I were just doing this as a hobby and I would do exactly what you described, I'd go through, I'd find my winners from whatever outing it was and I just trash the rest. Now, in some cases you might be in a situation where you're on a once in a lifetime trip and you might maybe not want to, do that maybe this is your one trip to africa for instance yeah. and it's like okay you know these aren't great but i want them for memories i want to keep all of this because this was my big trip this i'm only going to do this once this was a bucket list trip so you know in that case yeah i could see people keeping the whole thing but like you say for just every day around the around the house or around the house around the neighborhood type of stuff around that yeah. your, your local area it's hard for oh, me to, yeah. I have a couple of local parks I go to and it's the same thing. It's like, I have all these photos of these little tiny birds that just, I'm never going to do anything with, but sometimes I'm trying to come up with something for a book or a video and it's like, okay, I need kind of a mediocre shot here that's a little far away so I could put it in the viewfinder and do my thing, or I need yeah. to show a shot where I, I made a mistake here to, to, to demonstrate how not to do it, And what are you going to do?
0: And I think that's a good point. I'm glad you said that about, you know, you went on the trip and it was your one and only trip to Africa and you know, you want you're not you're not good with, with mass deleting things. And and I think that's fine. Again, it goes back to goes back to a little self awareness, a little bit of situational awareness. Sure. That not every situation is is gonna be the same. I would even say, you know, you and I you we, we kinda of talked about like, you know, it's a bird in blue sky. And and I think it's important for people to recognize in that photo library that at some point when you're starting out that bird in the blue sky, that's the, that's the icon iconic shot of what you've been trying to get. But over time, those things change. Yes. What was what was amazing to you three years ago is no longer amazing to you. So yeah, that you know, is very true. That is very be, true. Be a little bit more picky about, you know, what you're shooting and uh, and, and what you're keeping too. Yeah,
1: that, that was something I think I mentioned in today's newsletter when I sent it out is, That over time, as your portfolio gets better, your standards change, and you know sometimes people will go out and maybe you don't shoot quite as much. Oh, you know that's another the other thing. You know when you the first time I went to Costa Rica, first time I went to Africa, first time I went to church, any any of these firsts for me, yes, it it always had way more photos that are of way lower quality than my subsequent trips. As the, the more you get used to a place, the more you you know, when you first get to a place, you would just want to shoot everything.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: as time goes on, you're shooting, you're being more selective and you're shooting less. And so you're not, you don't have as many photos to call because you're not banging away, you know, every time you see any random, you know, uh, animal out there. Yeah. And, and, so, and so, and so the amount of photos you have to call in store and all that, it, it, it kind of lessens over time when you're in, you know, familiar places, just because, you know, I don't know, I'm, I go to Florida all the time, as you know, and, you know, I get to the point where it's like, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't really need that. I'm driving by stuff, people are getting really excited about because it's like I have better stuff back home on my uh, on my computer. Yeah. So I'm still looking. For you. so, so you're out there, you're, you become more particular.
0: You so and that, I talked
1: with some of the storage.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: bring it back around.
0: You and I, uh, you and I chatted about uh, silver salmon creek in Alaska with the yeah. bear, and I think that's that's a good example. You know, day one, I, I'd never even photographed a bear before. Um probably the only time I'd ever even seen a bear out of captivity was in the Smokies. And that was like, you know, a shadow running across the road. (laughs) So, you know, day one, yeah, I'm, I'm taking a lot of bear photos. Day two, you know, I'm being more selective, you know, and, and, and I think it goes, uh, that's another, it's another little, uh, little side point for the spray and pray, which is, you know, know the subject. If, Mm -hmm. The bear is sitting there eating grass you know i i again day one everybody all hears, <laughs> and it's just the bear munching on grass and munching there's no other bears around it so it's not going to all of a sudden get in a fight or wrestle right. or anything you know and and it's just you know there there's no reason to lay down on the shutter for right something. right exactly now, yeah, when, exactly. When you,
1: just get a burst, you, and you're done. It's like, okay, I got, I, I got it. I, I'm comfortable with that.
0: But you then there were there were times where there were two baby cubs, and they would start wrestling, and oh. I mean, I I literally I have two thousand pictures of it. I I, I would too. They I didn't too. stop. They just didn't. Like I, I took video of my phone while I'm shooting, and <laughs> they just didn't stop. I mean, they went on for like five minutes of just diving on each other and everything, oh, and wow. it's like how do you stop shooting? You know, it's, it's, it's one yeah. better than the next, you know? Right.
1: Right. And that, and that's the thing. And I say, I, we see that mistake all the time when we're in the field, people just stop there. They feel like, you know, they feel like they're shooting too much. And it's like, this is, you know, especially if it's a rare opportunity, you know, two bear cups fighting, you know? Yeah. It's like, keep going, just get what you get. And because like, you say, sometimes the best shot happens when you're chimping. You know, yeah. of, you know, they stop, they want to see what they have. It's like, whenever, whenever something good's happening, keep your eye on that
0: viewfinder, keep firing, don't chimp, don't, don't, don't let up, keep yeah. going. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and get to know, I think, and you, you teach this a lot, you know, get, get to know your gear, get to know oh, yeah. you while, while you're shooting and what, call it spray and pray, call it what we call it. Just, you know, educated, educated, high volume shooting, but, <laughs> but, call it whatever you want, get to know you know. whenever those people talk about the spray and pray and even people that that aren't saying it's spray and praying, but 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 they'll chimp with the mirrorless the way we have it today. Number one, you should know, you know. get to know your shutter speeds, get to know what shutter speed freezes that action mm-hmm. and then get to know your gear so that when you see those green boxes on that thing, you don't have to worry about it. You're right. You're not guessing you don't want to go chimp because, you know, they're sharp. You, right. you you just, know, you, like, yeah. You, you have the confidence. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause I, I see, I, I, I don't know how many shots I've seen people miss because they took a c- series and yeah, you know, let's, let's go back to those bear cubs. I wasn't there. So I'm just making this, I'm making yeah, up yeah. a scenario with them though. So maybe they're fighting and then maybe they, there's a pause in the action. Invariably, everybody goes, whoosh, they flip their camera up and they're <laughs> starting to look at those pictures. And then as they're looking, those bear cubs say, wait a minute, I want to, I want to beat you up a little bit more. And yeah, you know, and honestly, I, I can speak with a lot of experience here because I've done nonsense like that. I've done stupid yeah. stuff like that where I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I do? Why was I looking at the camera? Why was because yeah. you get so excited about what you just captured? You just can't want to see it. it. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's really hard sometimes to fight that urge to look at that camera, but it's like, wait. And it's, I, I encourage people to chimp because I think it's a good idea to look at the shots, see what you're getting, make sure there's no problems with the camera, make sure everything's working the way you mm-hmm. expect but I encourage them to do it when there is nothing happening and there is no chance that you're going to miss something.
0: That's yeah. the key. It's a good point. Um, so we're, we're, we're kind of wrapping it up. I'm, I'm curious cause you, you talked about, you know, we're, you know, if the, the photo's a sharp and we're going to do some computer work after. So I'm curious, what do, uh, what do you, what do you primarily use for your editing tools? Uh, pretty much Lightroom across the board, Lightroom and Photoshop. Yeah.
1: Uh, most what, of what do you do like your noise
0: reduction? What's that? Where do you do your, uh, your noise reduction?
1: Oh, info. Pho- and in, uh, I'm, oh my gosh, I almost said it wrong. In Lightroom. In Lightroom. Yeah. I use Lightroom's denoise. Actually, I just put a video out um, a couple weeks ago uh, that I showed the technique that I use with it. Cause I, I use, I, I denoise for the photo itself. Uh, or I'm sorry, I denoise for the subject. And I kind mm-hmm. of don't worry about the background or the rest of it. Then I put it, put the photo into the, uh, I use masking then to further take out noise and that way, I don't have to denoise too much of my subject, make him too soft, and then I can go back in and I can kind of eliminate the rest of the uh, the noisy areas, like in the background, and that without yeah. taking too much detail from the subject. It's a it's like about a forty five minute video. It's a, it's a deep dive, but <laughs> <laughs> I know it's been helping a lot of people out. But
0: uh, I'll uh, I'll I'll find it and I'll post a I'll post a link on the page where we uh, we put the it. podcast on there. But yeah, it's amazing but, how noise reduction just in the last four or five years. Yeah, it's made it's, a
1: huge difference.
0: I, I mean,
1: I, the, the example I use in that video is a ISO 12,800 shot. And when I'm done with it, I think it looks like ISO 400 when it's done. And you know, there's lots of detail. There's a lot, yeah, I mean, you gotta have a, you gotta have a frame filling subject and it needs to be sharp and all the, you know, there's all these criteria to make it come together, but it's just, it's really mind blowing how good Denoise software has. Like you say, just the last four or five years, you know, I don't hesitate if I if I have to be at six thousand four hundred or twelve eight hundred. If you know, as long as I'm reasonably filling the frame, it's not too far away. Is yeah. there's a limit. There's yeah. a limit. Yeah, you know, eventually noise does overwhelm detail. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just amazing what it, what we could do now that we didn't have again more leveraging technology.
0: Yeah, I imagine know, the I film agree. base.
1: The ISO one or not ISO ASA one thousand. Remember one thousand speed film. <laughs>
0: A that Christmas was, tree.
1: It was awful. And it was like, wow, that's really something nerfed him 1000. I, I remember shooting my first roll of ISO 1000 or ASA 1000 film. <laughs> it's just ridiculous.
0: I mean, just go back. You know, my, my, uh, my, my first camera, my first digital was a Canon, but then I switched to Nikon and mm. I had a Nikon D 100 or D 200. Yeah. And it was ISO 200 was just a Christmas tree. yeah Yeah, it was just it was like just anything above anything above 100 was just a christmas tree of of noise in the photo and (laughs) it's great what so i gotta ask you this what we talk we talk about frame rate we talk about you know shooting a lot and everything yeah what do you uh what do you think of that uh um i don't know i i don't know if you got to use it but i'm sure you've heard the sony a93 with 120 frames a second is that is that overkill to you uh,
1: I've not gotten to use it. So I don't, I, 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 I so this is just, you know, me guessing. Yeah. Uh, I, I am tempted to get one, but it's like more, it's just a little bit too much money. i for, for what I would use it for <laughs> it's
0: almost as much as an A1. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I have to have like a business reason to own something like that. Yeah. And you know, and that business reason would be to write a guide or something, but I just don't, ha- I don't think there's enough wildlife photographers to, to, to justify it uh that would buy that guy for me but anyway the uh
0: theoretically the other question, is 120, if December, you had 120 would you use it a lot you think i don't know if i would use it a lot but one of
1: the things i love about that camera is it has a boost option mm-hmm. where you can hold down the little button there and shoot at 120 so i would I, I would take advantage of that from time to time like really in like a situation where you were with those birds i hate to get, i hate to get just such a good example man
0: yeah <laughs> but
1: just you know when, they, when there's just you know, wings and feathers going every which direction. The truth is, you know, 20 and 30 frames a second are, are going to get you a lot of really good shots in that can, in that scenario. But the truth is, when you looked at those photos, there were in-betweens you were missing, I guarantee it. Yeah. And, you know, you start getting into, you know, 30, 60, 120, and you have a lot less or none of those, you know, you have every, all, every you know, position that you could want. You could really pick and choose exactly which photo would be the one to one to use. But again, for me, I would use that boost button, I think, option with it. And I would use it uh, sparingly. It would only be like if there was like if a bird flying in for a landing, probably not, especially a larger bird, you know, I'm very happy at 20 or 30 for that. But you know, you have like, something like, you know, some action where a couple of animals are fighting or something or things are really happening very, very fast. Yeah, I, I, I could yeah. Yeah. I, I could be talked into
0: using it for sure. <laughs> I could be talked into it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I got to use it. I got to use it for a day. Uh, um, oh, when they, when they, yeah, they, uh, they, they, they brought a bunch of people up to New York when they released it. Um, and they, they took us to a, a really fancy gym on, uh, Chelsea pier in New York.
1: Okay. And so they
0: rented out the gym for the day and they had all these different setups of people doing activities. Um, so they let us take a camera and a lens throughout, and I, I use it was, it was a lot. You you fill a card really fast. Oh,
1: I'll like, bet. yeah, because that's 120 really really RAW, right?
0: Yeah, you fill a card really fast with it. So I'm 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 with you. I I I could be talked into it. it. you know, I I I to be honest with you, I shoot my camera at 10 to 20 frames per second more than anything. But I could see I could see some uses for it. I'm with you on the speed boost button. I just wrote an article on it, and oh. I'm with you, and so so. There's two things. Number one, the price of the camera tips its hand to. I'm scared of what the whenever the A1 Mark II gets released, I'm I scared. Know, I don't worry that about that you. too. So so it tilts its hand in a bad way to that. Um, but that that button that they put on the front, that's the first time Sony's done that. Yeah, and I'm hoping I'm hoping that that makes its way into other cameras, even if even if the A1 Mark II. Only has forty frames a second. Give let me shoot at my ten, and then let me do that speed boost button when I want forty frames a second. Those yeah, you know, that would
1: be fantastic. I think that high. would I think that would be great because there are a lot of times. Most of the time, I have it set at twenty, and uh, so like I say sometimes thirty depends on what I'm doing. But most of the time, the Sony or the Nikon, they're both around twenty, and I'm just using very controlled bursts when it's you know a static subject. I'm not laying on it very long. I'm just bzz, bzz, you know, but that's still getting you six, seven, eight shots. Yeah, but yeah, it would be nice to be able to go like ten or fifteen for just normal, calmer situations, and then have that boost when you needed it for you know it's like oh yeah. there's action I could just press that, and then it, it it would definitely help. It would that would yeah. be great. I'm I'm sure they'll add it, right? They have yeah, yeah.
0: I, I can't I can't see them not including it in in an A1 Mark II when when eventually whenever that comes out. So yeah. Yeah. Which, which I hope is soon. It's been it's been three years with the A1, so it's got to be. It's, it's got to be, yeah. be getting close.
1: It's got to be getting close because although that A1 is still at the top of its game, it's
0: yeah, it's yeah, it's still a great camera.
1: I mean, it's uh, yeah. uh, Nikon. I kind of feel like Nikon's caught up with it at this point with their mm-hmm. autofocus, but uh, as far as like customization and things like that, I still think Sony has the edge.
0: Be uh, you know, I used to be a Nikon shooter before I switched over to Sony and. And I love Nikon. I mean, I I loved it, right. and so I was I was sad to see for for that time period where where they kind of lagged behind in the wildlife game. I think their landscape cameras, you know, they were always fine, but oh, I they lagged. But I was I you know nobody's more excited to see Nikon, you know, really not only catch up, but in some ways I think even pull ahead in some, in the wildlife game. And I, I think yeah, they
1: have their lens selection is just phenomenal. They really yeah. any wildlife shooter. If you I tell people if you're just getting into wildlife, look really hard at Nikon because the lens selection is just so good. They have stuff for entry level, for mid range, and for high end. No matter what you need, what yep. combination you need, they have it. They Built
0: have built-in teleconverter,
1: like oh. oh yeah, that built-in TC. We were talking about that at the BCG forums the other day. Someone was asking about the six hundred, and you know they were trying to decide between Sony and Nikon. And I, and I told him, I said, you know, I like Sony's bodies better. Uh, that's not a secret. I say that all the time. Yeah. And I like Sony's bodies better, but I use Nikon most of the time now because that teleconverter is such a game changer for the way I shoot. doesn't apply mm-hmm. to everybody. Yeah. But for the way I shoot, I'm honestly, I'm taking the teleconverter on and off all the time and to be able to just flip a, flip a lever and have it in, <laughs> that's great. That, that saves me a lot of time and it prevents me from missing shots because yeah. there's, it seems like invariably if I'm trying to decide whether I want the TC on or not, I'm in a situation where it's like, well, I think I can do it. I think I can do it. And then the second I get that camera is loose from that lens, <laughs> the animal does whatever I was hoping it was going to do. And I yeah. the so you yeah. know, with this one, it's just like, should I do it? I just do a quick little flip, and it's like, yeah, it's in or I'm, it's out. So yeah, I'm it, it yeah, that. makes a huge difference. But uh, I'm hoping Sony does the same thing because yeah. it'd be great to see uh, a 600 and 4028, both of them with a uh, teleconverter on the Sony side too, and that new 3028. Looks fantastic. you have heard great things about that. It's very, we're, it's a good time to be a yeah. uh, mirrorless shooter right now,
0: that, or a photographer that, just in general. It, that's a wonderful lens. I got to, uh, I got a, uh, I actually got a pre-release copy of it to test oh, it. Oh, cool. Um, and I, I did a little write-up on the website about it. Wonderful lens. I mean, it, it's balanced perfectly, and it's small. It's small. Yeah. It's, it's lighter than the two to six hundred. Probably feels more like the one to four hundred. Um, small, light, beautiful, beautifully sharp, beautiful background, beautiful everything. It's just, I, for me, I always want more. It's just, you know, there are just so few times where I'm going to put a 300 on because there's so many times Conclusion I came to as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and as far as the TCs go, so it was interesting at this event, there was a lot of people from Japan there walking around asking us what we thought of that the camera and everything like that. And asking us what we, you know, what we'd like to see. And, and every person that asked me, I'm like lens with a teleconverter lens with a teleconverter. I'm like this, you have to do it. Like this is, this has to be the next step.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I would hope so. I was, I was kind of hoping that they would do it with the eight, but they, it's not what, what happened.
0: I, mean, yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. Um, so where, uh, where, where can people find out more about you and, and all the stuff that you do?
1: You can uh, find me on uh, on the web, just backcountrygallery.com. And if you go to YouTube, it's at Backcountry Gallery. It's Instagram, it's at Backcountry Gallery. Everything's at Backcountry Gallery. And uh, I'm a frequent poster over at the uh, BCG forums over there, too. So if you have questions, anyone, anytime people have like uh, camera questions, uh, photography questions, especially wildlife oriented, nature oriented, make sure you stop over there. There are just so many knowledgeable people over there. Yeah it's like somebody will post something and it'll be answered in just a couple of minutes. Like, Hey, I'm having a hard time figuring out why my Nikon or why my Sony is doing this or how to do this. And like, boom, just like that, they get answers. So it's uh, a, that, that's a great resource too. I think people would probably get yeah. more out of that even than some of the other stuff.
0: I, I, I can attest, uh, I, I can attest to, to your, your products out there and especially your books, your eBooks. Thank um, you so much. I, I, cause I, I've, I've purchased some of them too. So <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, I can attest to to just your 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 knowledge and and it's funny because you and I you and I are in in some ways opposites because you, you when we exchange emails you're like yeah I think about doing videos but I really like writing so much and I I yeah. really dislike writing so much. <laughs> um, That's funny. But you're you're such a good writer, you know. It's just like just reading the the email that you sent out about the the spray and pray concept, you know, your the way you wrote like uh like show no mercy on your your shutter your buffer. <laughs> It's just, you, you it's not,
1: I have a really good time with doing that stuff. I just, I, it just, I like doing creative things. And for me, writing and photography are those two that go together. I do videos, obviously everybody knows, you know, most people know me from YouTube, which it's, it's kind of a weird thing. It's like videos are like my least favorite thing to do out of all the (laughs) stuff that I do creatively. (laughs) And it's the one that, you know, has the, has the most people watching
0: And a lot of people ask me because I do video courses and they say, you know, do you have anything written? And I don't, but I always point them. I always point people to I you. appreciate them. that. Those, I uh, appreciate those e-books are really, really good. So, well, uh, and, and everybody out there, if you, if you haven't followed me, you can find me over at MattK.com. And I've got all courses and presets and all that fun stuff. But Steve, thanks. Thanks so much for uh, for being on and, and chatting with me. We'll I'll definitely have to have you on again in the future. I'm sure there's some more topics we can talk about. Absolutely.
1: And thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun.
0: I'll, in fact, I'll, I'll, tilt, I'll tilt the hand to another topic. And as you were chatting, I, I, I realized I, I've had it floating around in my head and I realized you'd be great for it. Okay. Um, how to take a workshop. Ooh. Because you've done enough. I've done enough. Yeah, and... that would be a good topic. You know, how to take a world all the way from picking the right workshop to prepping for the workshop to being at the workshop. And that's a great and, idea.
1: And, I think and, that yeah. I, I think I, I think I hear a, a future podcast coming up. Yeah, I think up. that'd be a good <laughs> one. So uh, we'll
0: have to get it. But hey, anyway, thanks again. And uh, everybody out there, thank you for, uh, for watching. You can always swing by uh, the website and there's a little podcast link at the top if you ever wanted to watch it. But um, as far as audio goes, there's of course all the audio sources because why am I even saying it? you're already listening or watching to it. I don't know why I feel I have to tell you how to get there. So thanks again, Steve.
1: Thank you, Matt.